Today, I talk to Nir Bashan. Nir is a world-renowned creativity expert. He has taught thousands of leaders and individuals across the globe how to harness the power of creativity to improve profitability, increase sales, and ultimately create more meaning in their work. I talked to Nir today about his new book, The Creator Mindset, 92 Tools to Unlock the Secrets to Innovation, Growth, and Sustainability. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Exponential Organization podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. The purpose of this podcast is to bring you thought leaders from around the world, giving input into how you and your organization can grow exponentially. This show is sponsored by Deastorm, a leading exponential growth consultancy. They can provide services ranging from an hour advisory call with a network of over 6,500 consultants worldwide through to OpenEXO through to the 10-week EXO Sprint. So visit www.ideastorm.co.za to find out more. Today, our guest is Nir Bashan. Nir is a world-renowned creativity expert. He has taught thousands of leaders and individuals across the globe how to harness the power of creativity to improve profitability, increase sales, and ultimately to create more meaning in their work. I'm talking to Nir today about his new book, The Creator Mindset, 92 Tools to Unlock the Secrets to Innovation, Growth, and Sustainability. I start by asking Nir about Orlando, Florida, where he lives, and Disney World. Hey, thanks, Lance. Thanks for having me, man. I'm in Orlando, Florida. You know, you got the parks, right? The parks are very fun. Yeah. Uh, Disney World and Universal. We have SeaWorld. Um, we have a couple of amazing museums here, uh, science and industry museums where, you know, you could touch everything They have kids sections and, you know, sections for adults. They have uh, astronomy night, you know, and cocktails, stuff like mm. that. Um, and then just only about 45 minutes uh, from Orlando um, East is the beaches. You have mm. Cape Canaveral where they launch all of uh, Elon Musk's uh, rockets yeah. and, you have, uh, you know, the the ocean, and then the other way, the Gulf side's about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, and then you have, you know, basically uh, semi-tropical uh, uh, beaches there on that side. So it's it's a, it's a good place to live. There's a whole system, Lance, around the visit that yeah. is epic, and you got to do it. And it's expensive, but it's expensive for a really good reason, right? So the you know, Disney has, I would say, I don't know, 12, maybe 14 hotels. And Disney World itself is incomprehensibly big. Mm. It's just miles and miles of property. And so you go and you stay at one of these hotels and they're, you know, themed like nautical themed or, uh, you know, they have various different themes. Mm. And then you stay at the hotel and they have like a special shuttle that takes you to right to the front door of, you know, Magic Kingdom or Animal K, whatever park you want to go to. Um, and then, you you know, you do your thing and then you come back, you get on the bus, it takes you right back. The, you know, the hotels have food and entertainment and more themed stuff to do. You can <laughs> literally go stay at one of these properties and, you know, maybe stay for a week and go to the park once. Mm. There's so much to do inside the hotel and inside the complex uh, of Disney that is um, 
that it's pretty uh, it's pretty special. I started by asking Nir about his career to date and how he got into the field of creativity. Sure thing. So I started my first business when I was nine years old. I went door to door washing cars. It was the 80s in Los Angeles. And, you know, we got a lot of rejections and people slammed the door. And I mean, you can imagine a nine year old trying to wash, you know, a Pontiac 6000, you know, that just rolled <laughs> off the lot. The Detroit's best, right? And so, um, and so I had to get really creative in order to, to, you know, in order to make money. And what we ended up doing was, you know, cleaning out a lot of trash mint and scooping out, you know, uh, uh, rain gutters and stuff like that. We did everything but what we set out to do. And Lance, you know, uh, later in life, you know, 30 some odd years later, I've run several companies now and I've done, you know, several million dollars of revenue and, and so on and so forth. And it's amazing because some of those principles that I learned when I was nine years old are exactly what I'm doing today. You know, um, you sign a master services agreement and, you know, you have a statement of work and the statement of work says you will execute these three things. You go to to do it for a client or a consulting company and you, you learn that what you've written down and what you've agreed upon is not what the job really is, right? You got to sort of change and be creative in executing what it is that is really in front of you. And so I learned when I was very young that people who were creative succeeded. No matter what they did, they were always able to pivot, change, reorganize, um, stay vibrant, stay effective. And then people who weren't able to be creative on a regular basis were the ones that failed. And so I wanted to be the successful one. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I run a business as well, and you have to be creative to survive. I agree with you completely. Yeah, so, but it's amazing how many people are not. Amazing how many people are just like, you know, oh, analytics, analytics, you know, let me look at the PL sheet. It'll tell me what to do. Let me look at, you know, the quarter three results. It'll tell me what to do. You know, it's important. Analytics are important, but they're not the whole picture. So I'm no. on a mission. I'm on a life goal of getting out to different businesses, um, not only, you know, uh, your products and services, but also people on a career path to teach them how to use different parts of their mind in order to be more effective at what they do. We then started to talk about his new book, The Creator Mindset, and I asked Nir to give us an overview of the book. Yeah, definitely. So I wrote the book because as a good entrepreneur, I found there was a gap in the market. Um, I was picking up different creative tools throughout my career. I've worked in music engineering for, you know, Rod Stewart and, uh, you know, all these different hip hop albums. And I worked in Hollywood. I worked with Woody Harrelson and all these famous actors. And I had a furniture refinishing company. I've had different businesses all throughout my life. And so I cherry picked creativity and had a little package and it worked for me. Right. And then I noticed that there was no book in the marketplace that talked about the how. Every book, Lance, was about the why. And it would like literally 300 pages about why you should be creative. And I was like, you know what? I know why I should be creative. And now how? You know, give me some tools and tricks and tips. And so um, there was no book in the market. That was six years ago when I started writing it. Six years it took to get this book out. And in those six years, I was constantly worried that somebody else would 
beat me to it and nobody did. And so I'm very, very happy that I have 92 how to be creative tools in a book um, that is really first to market. Nero's book is called The Creator Mindset. And, but does that apply to everybody? Can anybody be creative? So everybody can be creative. It just takes the will to want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, we were all born creative. It's the very mass that's in our DNA that enabled us to survive 50, 60, 70,000 years ago. You know, I talk about it in the book. Um, Harriet was an early cave woman and she was the first human being to be creative on earth. She was being attacked by beasts and she had a stick and she had a little like, you know, berry picker, a sharp berry picker. And she put the sharp berry picker on the stick and used it to poke at the beast and, you know, saved her, her life. She saved her life by being creative. And that creativity had to become part and parcel to who we are. Yet we ignore it for a bunch of reasons, um, schooling, society. It's not serious. It's not the stuff of, you know, business acumen. You, you can't show creativity on a spreadsheet, though it means that it must not exist. And so we've moved too far away from who we are as creative people. And what we have today is an environment where we completely ignore the creative side of the mind and overdevelop the analytical side of the mind at incredible peril. Mm -hmm. Yet everybody, anybody, you, me, everyone we know, and everyone on earth has the potential to be amazingly creative. It just takes the will to want to do it and a few tools on how. There are 12 principles listed in his book about how to be creative. And I'll ask Nir to take us through a couple of them. Yeah, so the first that I really like, uh, it's something your listeners can do now, right? This isn't, I'm not, you know, a professor and this isn't a theoretical approach. I love those people, but I'm busy working just like you are and just like most of your listeners. One thing that you can do today is to start to look at your little victories because creatively little victories have amazing potential value. Now, what do I mean? There was once an ice cream machine salesman many years ago who wanted to sell a bunch of ice cream machines, right? So his construct was volume. Volume is an analytical construct. I'm going to get a large list of potential clients. I'm going to pay to get, you know, and I'm going to call or email, whatever. And so um, he, he was doing okay for a while, but then he started to falter like every single business that I work with, just about. And he didn't know why. So he started to say, you know, um, it's really weird because there's a particular restaurant that keeps buying my machine. So he said, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to go down there and see what's going on. He went, there was a line out the door, right, around the block. And he waited in line. He had the best hamburger he's ever had in his life. And the guy's name was Ray Kroc, and the restaurant was McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And so had he have just stuck to his main victory, which would have been to sell ice cream machines, he would have never have realized all those beautiful breadcrumbs along the way that would have pushed him in a slightly different direction. Mm -hmm. And so your listeners today have those breadcrumbs. They have them. They have a 
path that is, you know, hey, I had a little victory here, a great little victory there, great relationship with the vendor, excellent relationship with the guy who made the prototype. I don't know what business they're in from manufacturing to medicine. It doesn't really matter. They've had these little victories and yet so many of us, and listen, Lance, I am number one guilty of this. Every principle in the book I violated every which way. So, Instead of looking at that high victory and marching only towards that, your listeners today can become more creative by looking at what those little victories are telling them and maybe shifting and adjusting to maximize their success instead of maximizing the success of that main target that we've set out to do. I did some consulting before COVID hit, let's say, what is this now, January, February of this year. Mm. And I worked with a, um, a company that does disaster restoration where, you know, grandma overcooked something, there was a little fire or whatever, maybe mm. a big fire. And, you know, they have to come in and fix it. Uh, floor is, you know, is wet and it, you know, the wall has a hole in it and it's black everywhere. You got to paint, take the wall out, put new flooring in. Mm. So I work with a company and, one of the things that I challenged them on was uh, a different way to um, to look at their business. So a lot of creativity is found in every anal in analyzing every piece of the pipeline, right? From mm -hmm. sales to production to delivery to customer service, all of that stuff. All of those milestones are ripe for creativity. This particular company was putting out proposals that were 18 pages long and, you know, had a big lump sum payment. So what I urge your listeners to do is to start looking at anything in their business and get creative about it. Um, we started looking at the proposals and the guy was telling me, you know, uh, who, the owner of the company, I've got, you know, 2,200 trucks. I'm the biggest in the Southeast uh, region of the U.S. and blah, blah, blah. And all of these reasons why we shouldn't address the proposal. I said, well, what's your close rate? He said, oh, 18%. I said, is that, what is that? He's like, it's industry standard. I'm like, are you happy with it? He's like, well, you know, no. I said, great, what do you want? He's like, an uptick to 21%. I can't remember the numbers, but an uptick of 3% or whatever would have been Wonderful. I said, okay, let's write a story. He's like, near my grandfather started this company and, you know, 18 pages and you got to have and the lawyers and the this and, you know, all of these reasons why we shouldn't change. But, you know, Lent, if we don't change and we don't constantly embrace the principles of changing to evolve to the new marketplace, we're going to get stuck. It might not happen today, it might not happen tomorrow, but one day our what we've been doing is not going to work. Uh, look at what, what happened with COVID. So we, we looked at the invoice, uh, the, uh, the proposal, and shortened it to one page. It's now three paragraphs, and it's got a story. Mary burned the kitchen, you know, Mary burned the, the, the turkey on Christmas night, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, people were like actually reading it. They don't read 18 pages, but they'll read three paragraphs. Mm -hmm. uh, then we messed with the billing model. That's what I want your listeners to do. Look at every single, leave no stone unturned. Look at every single thing you could possibly look at and get creative. The industry standard in that business, at least in the US, is lump sum. This is what we charge, 8,500 bucks, take it or leave it, or call the next guy. So I said, let's do an a la carte. Near 
we don't do a la carte in this business. Nobody does a la carte, blah, 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 blah. So we broke it up. Now we, you know, $1,400 drywall, uh, you know, $2,600 flooring, you know, $4,200 roof, so on and so forth. And let the consumer pick. We did it in a very small segment of the market because, you know, change is very, very difficult for people, Lance. And it's very, very difficult for people to get excited about changing something that quote unquote works. But you have to, you have to, because what's quote unquote working is not going to work tomorrow. It's just not. Mm-hmm. And so we specially priced it that, you know, if the customer would pick everything, it would be $9,200 instead of 85 so that you would make a little bit more. And what we found was most people went with the cheapest, you know, package, mm. but then through customer service and getting to know, you know, the people who are on the job, they ended up biting off more portions of work. And uh. he ended up making way more money by a la carding than doing lump sum. Little changes like that have amazing creative potential. And what I'm hoping is that I'm sparking some ideas in your listeners to go, you know what, there's a part of my business that I have not looked at in a while. I'm going to roll up my sleeves, get in there and start to change things and experiment and get creative about how I look at these things in order to grow. Yeah, it's amazing because, you know, I've got a, a, a new business. So it's a startup, really. And I'm sure you get approached, but I get approached on LinkedIn the whole time about companies who want to do my LinkedIn at sales for me. You know, they want to take over my sales campaigns, et cetera, um, yeah. which I would appreciate because I need all the help I can get. And, ah. but, they, <laughs> but they all want to charge a monthly fee. And I, I right. write back to them and I say, hey, you know, I can't afford that right now, but maybe you can change your business model so that you would charge for a successful sale rather. So if you're you're that good at what you do and you're confident that I'm going to close business because of your efforts, then surely you should be prepared to accept money for successful sales rather than a flat monthly retainer. But it's interesting that that's the only model that they have. And when I said, you know, ask them, what other business models do you have? No, we only got that one model. And just like you said now, no, you know, they can come up with new creative ways and make more money um, rather than charge the monthly standard fee that they do, which is interesting. Um, yeah, it's really about <laughs> getting creative mm. and looking at all these things as opportunities yeah. instead of, you know, what we generally look at them as is, you know, a burden or, you know, uh, something that we have to deal with. We're like, ah, we don't want to deal with that, um, you know which is uh, which is valid you know because we're mm. busy doing other things um but i see opportunities where a lot of other people see you know problems uh the last question on your book before i want to segue and ask you some celebrity questions if i can because, because you opened the door slightly for me but um, <laughs> so prepare yourself for that but um from a business leadership point of view i mean every business wants their employees to be more creative is there any advice you can give to business leaders listening to this podcast to try and inspire their, their staff to be more creative? Is there anything that they can do, competitions, anything that you can suggest to make them more creative? Yeah, so definitely. There's, um, you know, there is a way to awaken creativity in all of us. I talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
getting creativity to come from the organization rather than just from you or your C-suite or your leadership team is essential. And there's several ways to do it. There's several ways to kind of excite that creativity. Um, you know, one of them is shortening your meetings. Um, I talk about um, the value of listening and the value of not talking. It's something that you can impart in staff right away. You could say, hey, every meeting that we're having is now being cut in half, no matter what the meeting is. And, you know, we're starting off with a very strong objective and we're ending with action items, period. That's how we want every meeting to run. And what you end up having to, what you end up imparting is, you know, a sense of, hey, cool, let's, you know, get out of here uh, quickly and let's get out of here with the, with the things that we really need, the most important things. That's one way to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But there's several ways to excite creativity. I talk about being a champion of creativity wherever it occurred. I find that a lot of organizations that I work with, um, people get very precious about where the ideas come from. Mm -hmm. Oh, that idea comes from me or from marketing and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. They don't come from production. The, those ideas don't come from operations. They come from this side and so on and so forth. And what they end up doing is siloing ideas only in one area. So I teach leadership how to be a champion of creativity from mm -hmm. the intern all the way to the C-suite. There's methods to do it. There's ways to listen. There's ways to grab an idea, have it being developed in different departments so that things can start to uh, manifest themselves in more effective ways. But yeah, there's definitely, definitely ways, different techniques on how to embed creativity and how to champion it through the organization. Great. Yeah, I'm so into idea management myself and, and creativity. And then you there's so much research and you realize that the best creative ideas are when you're walking or you're walking the dog or you're on a hike or in the shower. And so it's amazing ideas and creativity, how they come to you and they like bubbles floating around. You just got to be receptive to them, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah and, definitely. <laughs> so, Nair, you opened the door slightly talking about Rod, mentioning Rod Stewart and Woody Holson. Can you possibly give us one sort of story about someone that you've met that you can relate to us before we get on to yeah, so your definitely. business? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I work with famous uh, uh, hip-hop artists, you know, uh, mm -hmm. famous rappers that, you know, if you were to, to listen to them, you would go, wow, you know, these guys are the hardest core, most passionate, you know, uh, people ever. And I've literally sat in a room where they've come in and had an organized sheet of how to, you know, how to get ideas out, um, which I talk about in my book, how to organize your ideas. Mm -hmm. And then they've, you know, did this rap or whatever. And it's been, Oh, wow. You know, amazing. You know, and then they call their wives or, or somebody at home and said, Oh yeah, I'll pick up diapers on the way home, you know? Um, <laughs> and you know, what is amazing to most people that don't work in the entertainment field is how most people in entertainment are consummate professionals. They work from mm. nine to five, just like everyone else. And, you know, they just have a method of capturing creativity so that they can repeat it over and over and over again. You know, some people turn to drugs and alcohol for that, but they're by and large, the one hit wonders. They're, you know, they're in a movie one day and then, you know, you don't hear about them later or they have a hit song and you never hear about them again. But people that are really good, um, mm -hmm. Uh, have 
a methodology of how to do it that, you know, you and I could be famous musicians if we really wanted to. If we were able to capture the ability to repeat our creativity, we could do it too. Listen, you just have to turn on the radio to hear people who can't sing or who can't play an instrument. And, you know, they're, they're recording famous hits and really great songs. Anybody can be creative. It just takes a, a methodology and a, uh, a process that you organize to be able to pull upon whenever you want. So I found it fascinating um, because I didn't know that. And I found it fascinating that these, you know, gangster, you know, sort of uh, uh, musicians with this reputation that was so grand um, would show up and they were just like you and me. I then moved from Nur's book, The Creator Mindset, and talking about celebrities, to Nur's business, which you can find on his website, nurbashan.com. Yeah, definitely. So I consult with a bunch of businesses. I've worked with AT&T and Microsoft, the NFL Network, JetBlue. Mm. worked with a lot of big brands. I've also worked with The Corner, you know, a dry cleaner and a a manufacturer of small parts in Colorado. So I've worked with big companies and small companies. Um, I spend my time consulting um, and I spend my time speaking. I do uh, presentations at, you know, different organizations and groups to help them foster creativity in what they do. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my thing. Um, you can find the book on Amazon. It's on uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, it's available worldwide. It's being translated into two languages. Um, very, very exciting uh, book. And um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. There's only three near Bashans in the entire world. So I'm not the guy uploading Call of Duty clips. That's someone else. <laughs> okay, good. And then you also do workshops, I see. So the self-doubt monster, uh, mistakes are profits in disguise, and then yes. also finding somewhere to park the, the car. Um, yeah. What, what are these workshops and how do they work? So uh, they used to be in person, but now they're all virtual. Mm. And basically, uh, I get a group together. We get a pen and a pad out, and we start doing creativity. We don't mm. just, you know, theorize it. It's about the how. Um, I do uh, workshops. I have a workshop in a in a week or two with a uh, a, a big association here in the U.S. Uh, where we do series. It's like an hour where we prep it, and then. People go off and do their thing and do exercises in small groups and another hour they come back and, you know, follow up. Um, I have a new thing that I'm doing where I uh, host podcasts for different associations um, Mm. where we get, you know, everyone from the C-suite to the intern and we get together and we do like an internal podcast because everyone's working from home and getting Mm. information out is incredibly difficult. Uh, I do a coffee with Nir where different companies can sign up 15 minutes every day for one week. And by the end of the week, we learn a principle optional. You don't, you know, it's not a mandatory sign up thing. So people uh, can come in and, and have a good time and learn. Those are some of the workshops that I do. And two other things really briefly is that you've got a very, very active blog. I mean, it's like updated on almost a daily basis. It seems like to me, um, and then community, which seems to be free. What is the community? Uh, yes, sir. So we have a online community where anybody can sign up. It's free. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a way to ask questions back and forth on creativity matters in your business. Uh, it's moderated, so there's no Viagra ads for 99 cents or anything weird. It's yeah. just a bunch of people. We have you know, CEOs of companies on there, and we have uh, interns at a school. Um, mm. We have students even on there. Uh, mm. And anybody can ask a question, and it goes out to the group, and the group can answer, give suggestions, stuff like that. You can ask mm. anything from how do I, uh, you know, embed creativity in my HR department all the way to we're looking to hire, a, you know, a CFO. Does anybody know any finance people in mm -hmm. Atlanta? So it's all all there. I would love for your listener to join us if any of this sounds good and uh, start to participate. Yeah, yeah, I've just signed up myself. So I'm hoping to get a lot of information and maybe participate in those forums from time well to done. time. Well done. Well done, sir. So thank you so much. How else are you available on LinkedIn? I think how else? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn you? and um, Insta and Twitter and all of those things. I'm very mm -hmm. easy to find. My name is Nir N I R Bashan B A S H A N. The book is called The Creator Mindset: Ninety Two Tools to Unlock the Secrets to Innovation, Growth, and Sustainability. It's a McGraw Hill worldwide release, so they're printing a bunch of copies, and it's going to be. Uh, it is available. It only came out, let's see, one month ago. Mm. So it's brand new. Um, and it's very exciting. So I'd love to hear from you and, and from your listeners um, to see what they think. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nira, and for your book, The Creator Mindset, 92 Tools to Unlock the Secrets to Innovation, Growth, and Sustainability. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I hope you, the listener, found this as interesting and useful as I did. If you'd like to contact me, then please do. My email is lance at ideastorm.ca.za and website is www.ideastorm.ca.za. Has this interview with Nir Bashan inspired you to buy his book, The Creator Mindset? And can I ask you to go to my website, www.ideastorm.co.za, and click on the Buy Books tab and buy the book from there. You'll also find other interesting best-selling books that have been featured on this podcast. That will give a bit of financing and help continue to improve this podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. Until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.